good to see you here this morning. We're just excited to be starting um, the book of Luke. So we're in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1 today. That's where we're hanging out. As we really get into our series on what it is to be rooted in Christ. And so as we, as we walk through that, you're going to see once every four months, we're going to be really pushing out this reality, this idea that being rooted in Christ, it comes with action. And so we're going to be focusing on being rooted in his word, rooted in Christ through prayer, and then at the end of the year, rooted in Christ in community and through community. So that's where we're focusing and building out this uh, series as we walk through it. And as we do that, we're going to be spending much of the year in the gospel of Luke. So what I'm excited about is you and I are reading through our gospel reading plan of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John throughout the year. You're going to get to see overlaps coming through it, even as Matt and Katie's story this morning are sharing the passage they read this week that stood out to them. It made its way into my notes just in a different book of the Bible. So we're really going to see that overlapping uh, purpose of Scripture. If you haven't started the reading plan with us yet, listen, it's never too late to start in the entryways on both sides. There's a card for adults and a booklet for kids. And so it's something you can read through with your children or your grandchildren is that booklet as we walk into it. But today, um, we're really walking through the Genesis of how this thought and how this reality came to mind as we're walking through the book of Luke. So if you're a Bible, let's just read verses 1 through 4 together, and we'll talk about it uh, for the next few minutes. The Bible says this, Luke is writing it, Insomuch as I have uh, many have undertaken to compile a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who've, who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, that they've delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all of these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, verse 4, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And what I want you to know as you read the book of Luke, I love that Luke doesn't overplay who he is. The Lord is, is filling him. He's inspiring him to write these words. But Luke isn't saying, I'm the superstar. He just starts off by saying, listen, a lot of people are writing down who Jesus is, how they saw Jesus move around them. There's a lot of people doing this and they're undertaking it. And a lot of those guys are ministers of the gospel. And I just thought... I want to make sure that I do it too in the most orderly way possible for you, most excellent Theophilus, which is just his buddy is all we would know. And so this is a story the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write specifically to someone that he wanted to pour the gospel of Christ into. Now, I don't know about you, but I've gotten a lot of letters in my lifetime, but I've, I've never gotten a letter that is this long right in type 10 font double-sided thin pages you follow me like there's a lot of love to articulate with great detail something like that it's not just i love you bunches and bunches and bunches and bunches and bunches for 14 pages right like it's care and time given into it and so as we walk through that that's going to undergird what we're talking about throughout the year is that there is a care and a concern for God's people and that's the reason that this book was written so that you and I 
would know with certainty the things about Christ. And that's what we're going to be focusing on is this word uncertainty. Certainty is a rare commodity. Uh, our world is filled with uncertainty right now, right? We, we don't know what's going to happen on the other side of the world, this side of the world, at the border, in your backyard, in Washington. We don't know what's going to happen when you walk to school tomorrow. I j just got a, a, a blurp on my phone that uh, in... in um, in Istanbul, there's a, a pastor of a Catholic, a minister of a Catholic church that was stabbed just this morning. I'm just, like, just, we don't know. But we want certainty, don't we? Don't we like certainty? I'll tell you how much I think we like it. I think we like it about $30,000 worth a year minimum. So I just did a little research about certainty. We don't have a lot, but um, even if we can't ensure what tomorrow is like, we'll create a market around it to ensure will be okay so this is what i i did some research annually the average household spends about four thousand dollars on home insurance right i feel like in texas that feels low to me does that feel low to you i feel like windstorm insurance feels like that much but four thousand dollars annually on health insurance the average family spends twenty three thousand nine hundred and sixty eight dollars a year on health insurance and you still have to pay a deductible that's like 10 grand a family. You, know, you follow me? Like health insurance, 23,000 plus a year. Um, car insurance, about 2,500 a year on car insurance. They're not in my family. Again, I feel like that's a lowball number around our house. Is car insurance, the average person, about $2,500 a year in that. And then life insurance, about $300 a year. Altogether, that means for you and I to create some sort of certainty that no matter what happens to us, we have some kind of certainty. We spend over $30,000 a year on average trying to ensure something that we can't secure. And I think that's a pretty big push into our life. Because insurance really isn't assurance, is it? It's, there's no way that insurance creates certainty. I mean, this last month and a half, it's the craziest thing. Connor the other day calls me and says, Dad, I'm driving on I-20. Someone just ran into me. You won't believe it. I'm like, you are kidding me, y'all. I'm the last man standing in the last 45 days. If our car says, hit me on the back, if you'll peel it off on the way out, I'll take it. Like, oh my gosh, and he's fine. It was, was very minor. But, but we can't stop someone from not putting on their brakes no matter how good of a driver you are you can't have certainty that when you get in your car and you drive off that you've got it under control so we've created insurance to give us some kind of assurance that if something that we can't be certain of happens to our life at least maybe our world doesn't fall apart See, our, our best man-made certainty is a bottle of glue. That's the best you and I have to offer. I want to build my family in such a way to where when things start breaking them down, we'll have coins in my pocket, glue, we can stick this thing back together. My house, my car, my job, my future. I mean, college, why do we go to college? We're buying an expensive bottle of glue that says that when you get done, if something happens, you'll have something to fall back on. A trade, it doesn't matter. We love the idea of certainty, but the reality is it is something you and I cannot create.
And that's what Luke verse chapter 1, verse 4 says. Go to verse 4 again in your Bible. This is what Scripture says. That you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. See, Luke says we can't create certainty, but there is someone you can have certainty in. Something in his story. And so at the very beginning, the, the Holy Spirit inspires Luke to let you and I know that God offers us through Christ Jesus what you and I long for and cannot create. We cannot manufacture. And so I just started to scribble down, what does it look like to have certainty in our life? What, what does it look like to have certainty as, as a person? What does that look like when it comes to my health, my, my job, my, my surrounding, my thought processes? What does it come, look like to have certainty in my family, with my children, with my, with my extended family, with my mom or dad? How would certainly change, certainty change the way that I function as a person from this day forward all throughout eternity? That's why Luke says, I want you to be certain about Jesus because he impacts all the things in all of your circles. Even the things that are out of your control. Even the times when you mess up and make mistakes. The word certainty in Luke chapter 4 is two Greek words together. We'll lean to the first one first and get to the second one later on. The first word, it sounds like this, epigenosko. And it basically means, I want you to recognize what is certain. So it says, I want you to have certainty in your Bible. What it means there is, I want you to be able to recognize what is certain and therefore be able to recognize what isn't certain. I want you to be able to recognize. Wouldn't it be nice to always be able to recognize what is certain? That's why the Gospel of Luke was written, so that you will be able to recognize Christ everywhere you see him. You will be able to recognize the truth of Christ everywhere you hear about him. You will be able to recognize the power of Christ every time you see the power of Christ moving. And all of a sudden, all the guesswork, all the uncertainty of your life is out of the way because you can see it and know it. That's why Luke wrote the Gospel. I scribbled these words down as I was thinking about the year. If you and I are rooted in Christ, it means we are looking forward and we, we live looking forward and we stand firmly grounded on the unfailing truth of Christ. If you and I are living with certainty, it means that we live looking forward, standing firmly on the unfailing truth of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to be in the Gospels. That's why we need to know who Jesus is. Because certainty is not a commodity the world can trade in, but it's something that's freely offered to you in Christ Jesus. So let's just get to know him. And that's what the year we're going to focus on. But, but I want to talk to you about what certainty is this morning. When it says that we should have certainty concerning the things you have been taught, the first way we look at certainty, is it means that we live looking forward and not backwards. But you see, the world would define it this way. It would say, you can't live with certainty, but the best you can do is you can use history as your guide. That's the best you can do. Because we don't want history to what? Repeat itself. 
And we only mean that in bad things, right? Do you have a great date night with your, li- with your wife, right? I want history to repeat itself again, amen? So we only say that when it comes to negatives. But really, the world says your history defines your future, so don't stop looking over your shoulder. Don't stop looking back. Because your history points you that way. Here's how it looks in our year that we're going into. For America, if history defines us, then you and I are living looking backwards, trying to make the good old days come back again. If that's how you're living, looking backwards. You might also say the opposite. If you live looking backwards, you might say, all the wrongs that have been done to me, they need to be made right before we can start moving forward. All the wrongs done to me, they have to be reconciled before we can move forward. See, if you say either one of those, the world has fallen apart, we need to go backward to go forward, or we can't go forward until all that's behind us, all that water on the bridge has been dealt with. Boy, it would sound like every news article I've read over the past year and a half, wouldn't it? Because that's what the world really points us to. The problem is this— that's not living with certainty that's living looking backwards in scripture if you were to look in genesis chapter 19 verse 23 through 26 you you would see this story about abraham going into sodom and gomorrah and he's there to rescue lot and lot's family because god's going to destroy sodom and gomorrah he hasn't done it yet it's not a historical event it's a future event and the Bible says is that as Lot and his wife and his daughters are leaving town and they find themselves at a halfway house of Lot's choosing, for lack of a better way to say it, the Bible says that Lot's wife looked backwards. Now, it doesn't say why she looked backwards, but when she looked backwards, she gave up what was in front of her. That we do know. And in that moment, God judged her. See, the world isn't concerned with eternity because eternity is hopeless without certainty. So it's captivated at best in today, but mostly in what we're leaving behind. I want to make it out of this house into this house into that house so I can look back and see where I've come from. I want to drive this car, then this car, then this car. I want my children to be better off than I am. I want to be at this point in life by the time I'm, a, I'm, I'm at this age. See, the world invites us to look backwards, to be captivated by what God has called us to be free from. But, but you and I can't see with certainty what God wants for you if you're captivated with what he's called you to leave behind. If you were to go a little part of scripture, you'd find in Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62, Jesus talks about this idea of living looking backwards versus forward. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62 says it this way. As they were going on the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, well, foxes have holes holes, and, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to put his head. And to another he said, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. 
And Jesus said to him, listen, let the dead go bury their own. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another one said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me go say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Over and over and over, he says, follow me, follow me, follow me. And, and people with great hearts and good intentions unsure about what's in front of them say let me just go backwards real quick and then i can go forward jesus says church if you have to go backward before you go forward then you have no idea what is in front of you if you need to make this okay if you need to tie up this before you follow me then you won't be certain of the truth and the goodness that's before you what would it look like if your life and my life was lived in the shadow of jesus christ and his story what if we could look to jesus so greatly that when you're tempted to look back lord i can't follow you until i get over the hurt that person in my small group caused to me back in the day lord i can't run hard after you until you go backwards and fix my financial situation so that i have confidence to chase after you lord i i can't go forward until you fix this thing in me or restore my health or whatever is behind me but then i'll follow you jesus says that mind is not really looking forward it's saying jesus would you heal my past so that i can enjoy my present and what christ says is your present should be the worst day you've ever lived in because tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow it only gets better with me what would it look like if you and i could live with certainty that way rooted in christ knowing that he is your current source of security that you don't have to worry about what's behind you because the prize in front of you you are certain of where it is in whom it is and how it will change every day for all eternity. Luke says, I'm writing you most excellent Theophilus so that you might be able to identify what is certain about Jesus Christ. The second thing that certainty does is it allows us to have a firm footing to face any challenges that come in front of us. Right? When Luke says, I want you to have certainty, he's saying, I want you to have something to stand on. When it comes to Jesus, because you're going to be challenged. As we walk through the gospel of Luke, you're going to see Luke, you're going to see Jesus challenge. You're going to see the disciples challenge. You're going to see young believers challenge. You're going to see old Pharisees challenges. Challenges are going to come your way. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, period. He doesn't leave anyone out of that. But can you be certain that when those challenges come, that you will stand? See, the world would say, as you're looking backwards, the future is different because everything is relative. That's why re-storytelling is so popular right now. I mean, if you thought about that, I mean, if you look back at some of our, our favorite shows of the past, it's amazing how all of a sudden there were good guys and bad guys, and now everybody's kind of bad, 
and semi-good. Have you noticed that? And so we're retelling stories all of a sudden to highlight things. If you look back in Scripture, God is the good guy, always. And man is flawed, always. But the world wants you to understand from someone else's perspective why they could be the good guy too in the own world that they've built for them. If that is a true statement, if good and bad is based on you and I, then it's ever-changing and never solid ground. It means there should never be an argument because no one can ever win it. It means you and I can never do something wrong because there's always an angle with which it could be right. You see, when we have, when we lack a solid footing, it's confusion. Our culture, if you watch from east to west, is being built and built or built around building a soft footing where it's either relative or uncertainty avoidance. In any way or shape that I can avoid uncertainty, I'm in. So if it means accepting that there is nothing certain, I can be more certain at least of that. But listen to what Scripture says about certainty when it comes to, to God. In the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. You, you could look there and you would find Joshua is about to go to Jericho. And if you know the story of Jericho, it's amazing, right? Joshua and his men, they don't do anything but walk around, break some break some stuff, blow some horns, and then they all come tumbling down, right? But before Joshua gets there, he's having a moment. And he's having a moment. Listen to what happens in verse 13 of Joshua chapter 5. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and he says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said to him, no. Now think about that for just a moment. I just gave you two options. Are you for us or for them? And this man with a drawn sword who's obviously intimidating says no. I am the commander of the army of the Lord and I have come. And Joshua fell on his face and earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place that you are standing is holy. It's set apart. And so Joshua obeyed. See, if you and I are looking in this world for solid footing, you won't find it. But if we're looking for the Lord, you won't find it in the way that I navigate life or you navigate life. It'll be found in the hands of the Lord. So Luke says, I want you to look there. Matt and Katie read it earlier. A wise man builds his house on a rock. Luke writes about this. Later on, we'll get to it. And it says this, the rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and bit against the house, and the one on the sand fell. But the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house in verse 25 of the one built on the rock and it did not fall. Why? Because it was safe. Do you know if you want to live a life of certainty as a husband, a dad, a wife, a mom, a child, a grandparent, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, 
in all of those situations, certainty is going to be found in the same place in Christ Jesus. Because he's sovereign over each of those circumstances. And can you imagine the value that scripture would have if you realize no matter where I go, as long as I'm following in what I can discern is the truth and the call of Christ. When it comes to my health, when it comes to my fears, I'm standing on solid ground. What happens when you're not shaken because you're safe? Church, what Luke will show us is there's nothing stronger than Jesus. There's no one who can soften him up. And so what you and I need to ask ourselves is, do we want to be safe in Christ? And do we want to be secure so that we can live looking forward, not afraid of any challenge that comes before us? What would your life look like if you pursued Jesus that way? The final word that certainty means, it means unfailingly true. See, the second word in Greek that's tied together is asphalia. It's a negative particle, which means not, and a word, sphalo, which means failing. Luke says, I want you to be ident- able to identify the truth about Jesus that will never let you down. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what that would do to your heart and to your life to realize that the truth of Jesus will never let you down? When Jesus talks to you about how to love your neighbor and it sounds contrary to the world, it will never let you down. When Jesus talks to you about how to steward your finances and why looking forward it matters, it will never let you down. Can you imagine when he talks about faith and eternity and life and hope and overcoming and victory? That what, Paul, what Luke says here is, I want you to be able to see it in the truth of Jesus Christ so that you will always be able to identify what will never let you down church I don't know about you but I am I am phenomenal at letting people down I'm pretty skilled at that and so if I can live all of my days rooted in Christ then the worldview that says everyone will let you down eventually look out for number one it falls on deaf ears because guess who's going to let me down more than anybody else number one number one what Luke says is you need to be able to identify who number one is is it Jesus Listen to the words of Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father but through me. That is unfailing truth that will never let you down. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. I'll make you about the kingdom of God. I'll make you about the things of the creator of all the universe. I will follow me. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes where in him will not perish. It's impossible. But you will have a secure eternity, church. Do you know it's in the story, in the life, in the truth of Jesus Christ? 
where we can have certainty that the truth that he speaks, the truth that we see, the light that he lives, the God that he is, the Savior that he came to be will never let us down. What's beautiful is it doesn't mean that you have to be smarter than every challenger that ever faces you. Note to self, there are people smarter than you and me in this world, amen? There, there, there's, there, you don't have to outwit the enemy because God has already overcome him in Jesus Christ. Listen, every parent, every spouse, every grandparent, the first time you do it, it's new. Do you know that the unfailing truth of Jesus Christ can help you steward your family to the glory of God as an eternal treasure? Do you know that when you work and you work to the glory of God, that the unfailing truth of Jesus Christ allows you to see your job as a purpose looking forward towards eternity and the riches of the kingdom of heaven? Do you know that when the world is falling apart, and someone's probably put a please run into us tag on your car. And you're like, Lord, it's got to stop eventually. That's the unfailing truth of Jesus Christ that says you will stand secure. Church, the world will tell you, put your trust in your friends. I'm telling you, friends aren't perfect either. The world will tell you, look for security in something that resembles Jesus. The psalmist would say it this way. Psalm chapter 20. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots. But we put our trust in the name of the Lord. We don't follow a life group leader. We don't follow a pastor or a worship minister. We don't follow a boss. We don't follow a spouse or a child. We follow the one who is certainty because he is sovereign. This morning, I don't know if your footing has been shaken. I don't know if you've been unsure about what tomorrow holds. I don't, I don't know if you've been uncertain but in Christ Jesus, you can be certain. But it starts with a relationship. If you have never said to Jesus, I put my whole trust in you, I'm, I'm certain that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I'm certain that if I follow you, you'll make me something new. I am certain that if I believe in you as my Lord and Savior, I will only taste eternity on my lips. If you've never said that, then you don't have certainty. But if you profess that as truth and ask Jesus to be your Lord, you don't ever have to live uncertain again. Do you pray with me? Father God, we love you. Lord, we live in a world that's pulling at us. And it even seems like sometimes in church, God, there are people pulling at us. Or maybe there are people just encouraging our discouragement. Lord, we're all fallen and broken. And so this morning, God, I just ask, Lord, that you would be our certainty, that we would put our trust in you. 
that children would see what it's like to look up to a mom and dad who live certain that they can identify Jesus, his direction, his calling, and his voice. Lord, that we might look over across the room in our small group and in our church and we might be inspired and encouraged by men and women who aren't living secure in themselves, but they're living certain in you. So Lord, let us run after you this year that we might be rooted in you so that we might be safe and secure in what will never let us down, our King. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me this morning, church? As we have our song of response, I just invite you to respond to Jesus this morning. We have a deacon couples at the front that would love to pray with you, would love to visit with you, however it would be. You don't have to leave here uncertain. That's why God left his story for us. Lord, I come, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. So teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My we see it and stake all that we are on it 
Father God, I pray that this year we would just commit, God, not to be a church that tries to stake down on something that's a moving target. Lord, you're not moving. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of angel armies, whose commander will not say that they are on any man's side, is still the God securing us now. So God, would you be that certainty for us? God, would you be that certainty for our children who, Lord, might not even in the room. God, I, I can't secure them. Only you can. Lord, would you allow us to throw off the chains that have tangled up our feet from running hard after you for however many years? The discouragement, the defeat, the uh, I've tried this a hundred times and, and never seen it through. And instead of staking our certainty on us or our ability to follow through, Lord, let us stake our life in you. Yes, and God, I just pray that we'd be able to see it, see the truth, know the truth, distinguish it, regardless of the source, God. Let us know your voice. In Jesus' name. Amen.